This is episode 12 of An Impossible Journey from Vancouver to Switzerland via the Khyber Pass. Mom and Dad, we're going to continue where we left off, which was in Kandahar. You had stopped at about 2.30 in the morning for tea in Kandahar as you had left Kabul on your way to Herat. So I'm looking at your journey and it says, you continue into the night, right into the middle of the desert of death. The bus broke down at about 9 a.m. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I mean, a long, long straight road going through the desert. It's from Kandahar to Herat. It's about 300 miles. It was about halfway. It was flat desert, right? Yeah. Some, some hills around, you know, little... In up. the distance, yeah, you could see distance. hills, yeah. Mountains, maybe. No, and, hills, yeah. And the bus broke down. So we were stranded there. Uh, the guy, the, the driver and his co-driver were determining it was something to do with the clutch so he couldn't drive at all and, and it stopped in a dip i don't know did we did well, we no, roll down it was because just it like was a in, low water yeah it was like area, a, a, you know. a shallow kind of an area in the road yeah it, well, you're for about half a mile yeah. yeah we decided well we just stopped the next car to get the mechanic the driver be driven over to Herat to see if it can find the part, the fix for the bus. Of course, this road is not traveled very much anyway in 1971. You know, it was just one road. While we were waiting, we saw these black clouds in the distance over the desert. And then all of a sudden, we saw this well, first Black of all, though, Rolf, we all got out of the bus and we kind of spread out yeah. and we, we walked away from the bus and we walked on a, a there yeah. was a rise, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I went up the hill. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Top. So, so you know, we, people were just wandering around yeah, we and we went up waiting, to a yeah. hill and that's when we looked and saw these these black clouds in the way off in the distance, the other side of the bus far away. Anyway, so before you know this river appeared the water come down it just got bigger and bigger and even exactly where the bus was stuck where we were stuck in the water mm-hmm. the water coming up the river with yeah you, you really, haven't explained really it. spreading out yeah but you didn't explain it what? very well because yes. we looked off in the distance yeah, that's deep way far away and we saw this sort of you know, you, you could see the rain clouds and then in the distance we we saw this black line, you know, like wiggly sort of snake-like line coming and then that's what Rolf was saying. And then we realised that was a river that had formed because of the, the rain and that's what was winding its way towards where the bus was stopped. So it just happened coincidentally that the bus broke down in this kind of a shallow dip and that this that this river that was forming in the distance happened to follow the natural path of the topography to hit the spot where the bus was broken down yeah anyway so so what did you do the water 
came up in about a foot or so, we decided we have to push the bus up back away from this low water yeah, crossing. Yeah, because we didn't so know how deep it was going to get. in front of the bus and started pushing, pushing up the hill. It wasn't steep, but we had to just push it out of the water. We got it done, you know, it was no problem because before, you know, the water just disappeared again. Yeah, but we, you know, of course, we didn't know how deep the water was going to eventually yeah. get. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't, deep, it wasn't that deep in the end, but we didn't know that, you know. Standing on the side, trying to get uh, hitchhiking somebody, and this Volkswagen Beetle came along with two young hippies in it, and he stopped and we explained what we need. We um, need somebody to drive us to Herat to get the parts, to get the, somebody coming back to fix the bus. Well, but in the, that time, I also had laryngitis. I could hardly speak or swallow. I said, the next car who comes down, I'm stopping and I'm going to Herat. I need some attention. So the Volkswagen guys took the driver and his co-driver for the parts. And they took off to Herat. We're standing there and waiting for the next car. And the next car comes along. It was a big American 1972 type car. He stopped and there was this Dutch guy in there, a tall guy with long hair. He said, what do you need? He said, well, some of, whatever you can take, some of us are going to go on to Herat. The bus is stuck here and we have to wait, you know, it's 150 miles going back. This could be hours till they come back. So, so three Americans from the back of the bus went in the back of the car to Chevy. Jeannie and I went in because I said, I, need, I, need, I have a problem with, you know, with my throat. And so, okay, he said, that's fine. We're six people. But he said, I can't drive anymore. I'm, I'm too tired. Who wants to drive? So I instantly volunteered. I'm going to just stop you there because I, I want to read to you your journal before you go on to the part uh, where you hitched the ride with the guy in the Chevy. You're describing the storm coming in. You've stayed with the bus because the others have gone to go and get some parts to fix it. Mm -hmm. And then a fantastic hailstorm starts and the bus is conked out. After the hailstorm, there were lots of little ponds and then a stream and then a river. And the, gradually the water is getting bigger and bigger and the, the stream becomes a river. And all of a sudden it trickles under the bus and then everybody starts panicking here. You say, you say shoes and socks go flying off and everybody sets to push the bus out of the river. So it sounds like, you know, everybody's kind of panicking, shouting yep. and screaming and flying around trying to push the bus out of the way, which you do, as you said. Then at 7.30, those who were left settled into the bus, settled down in the bus to sleep. And about 9.30, Doug and Lindsay arrive with the mechanic and food. I'm assuming Doug and Lindsay, you mentioned them several times, the bus driver and the co-driver. Is that right? Could be, yeah. You write here, four of us went back to Herat in the car with the guy who brought them three to four hour journey. So this is where you meet the Dutch guy. And so you say at a big American car, was it a big old Chevy? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so he, so he was the one that brought them back from Herat. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sounds All like right. it. So tell us now. So you write here, mom, he was a Dutch guy who we discovered smuggled hash from India or somewhere 
back to Europe. Yes. We didn't know that until we made it to Herat, did we, Rolf? Because, I mean, if we'd known and he had a table in the in the enormous trunk of the car, there was this table, you know, the antique, carved, it was an antique, antique you know, carved table, that sort of thing you'd buy in those places to take back. But apparently the legs were hollow and that's how he smuggled this hashish, I suppose it was. We, we didn't know that, of course, until, <laughs> until we were, we had made it to her art, but we would never, ever have got in that car with him if we'd known. But, so uh, you're driving yeah. along the road with a huge antique table in the back of the car in the trunk of the car that yeah. has hollowed out legs stuffed full of hashish yes. yeah yeah oh. mom yeah. and dad you're in the car dad you say you're up front with the driver because he was too tired and he wanted to sleep so you volunteered of course and knowing you dad i can imagine you volunteered instantly to drive the car yeah what what happened then well first he said well i have no brakes be aware of that Brainstone works. The lower gear doesn't work either. But otherwise, everything is fine. <laughs> so, so we started off, and this was the part from Kandahar to Herat. That road was built in the fifties, I think, by the Russians. And Blacktop is the only one in Afghanistan. Then in 1971, and they had about every 50 miles barriers across checkpoints so he had to go to checkpoints there and the driver had to you know he have to pay something almost like a tow road you know over here then we get down to the next 50 miles there's a barrier across the same thing again we're driving and it's getting to be dark and we saw this barrier in the distance and i had no drive brakes I just had to slow down, not giving any power, Let's just let the car idle so we don't hit the, the barrier across the road and damage it. So that happens every 50 miles. So did wow. you have to change down to a lower gear? To Yeah, we just let it all. We had the handbrake, so, you know. Yeah. So that was, that was that part. But then we came into the mountains before Herat there's a like a mountain chain we came into mountains and it was a, a long long straight but always up like a pass but not switchbacks just straight a slope up and up and on the left side the driver's side it was going down into the valley and the other side it went up the road was cut out of the mountain on the side and it just went up and yeah. up. Yeah, like huge rocks and chunks yeah. of this, that and the other stuff on the right-hand side and a, a sheer drop down on the left-hand side. So almost the top when we could see the end, the car wouldn't go anymore because I couldn't switch down to a lower gear. I tried and tried and while I was trying through neutral, it stayed in there. So I had no brakes, so the car started to roll back, back, back. And it was getting dark, and I, I had to steer and looking back, the guys in the back were asleep, those three guys, and the car just speeded up, kept speeding up and faster. I looked for a place to hold, where I could steer it into the mountains, you know, a little opening so we won't turn over. 
And finally, we got a little opening, maybe 10 feet wide and 20 feet long, very not sheer cliff. So I steered the car in there and went up on the side and just stayed there on the side of the... Oh my gosh. I mean, how scared did you feel, Dad? How was your heart just pounding? Because you literally, had you made one wrong steer move, would have shot off down the side of a cliff. Yes, yeah. 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 I I didn't remember that that Rolf knew that there was a a flat part because I'm screaming, you know, steer off, steer off. I was looking for it. And I thought it was just by sheer luck that when he actually, you know, steered it in towards the mountain face, you know, it was a flat part or no rocks. I was looking for that. So I didn't realise that. The feeling I had was totally helpless because this brake didn't work. I couldn't do anything except steer hope hope that i could get it done you know or, or at least just smash into the yeah. side you know to stop us anything to stop us so anyway right. we stopped and everybody woke up the, the guy with the car car owner woke up and so i explained to him what happened he said oh well there's a trick to it to get into the lower gear the, <laughs> the second lowest because the lowest doesn't work so he said let me go and start it up and i get you to top of the hill so we switched seat and he went back and he drove it and he switched it and he got us to the top of the hill and then he got out again and said you take over because now it's going all downhill towards herat we could see the city lights in the in the distance so it was downhill of course no brakes but there again there was no curvy road it was just gentle curves and gentle going downhill and we come close to Herat there's this big boulevard with palm trees in the middle and we were on the right side coming into town and in the front you could see a big herd of camels crossing the road you know how slow they walk you know a huge herd and I'm coming and I'm honking the horn and all this I had no brakes like a miracle that it just parted like parting the sea. The camels in the back stopped and the ones in the front kept going. And this opening opened up over the street. And I mean, just between the camels, yeah. straight past the camels, yeah. the herd. So you just drove through a herd of camels. Are the men in the back still asleep and the driver still asleep throughout this entire sort of harrowing adventure? They were always out anyway. Yeah, so yeah. we drove into Herat, you know, all clay and clay and brick houses, little houses, uh, cobblestone in the road, I remember. And we were looking for a place to park, like a hotel or something. I remember because, how we stopped. Because the the guy there was awake now, the driver knew Herat, you know, where to go. So turned we... in and I, I, I couldn't stop with the car. So I just slowly drove in and turned into the parking and bumped into the hotel. That yeah, we, we, hit the, we, we hit the wall, didn't we, we the, hit hotel. the hotel? That's how we stopped, stopped finally. Him, yeah, And he said that he told me where the pharmacy was. I, I got some lozenges for my throat, you know, the place where we're going to sleep. It was, I remember it was a place with bunk beds. A, a bunch of us slept in the one room, didn't yeah, we, Rolf? Yeah, and then I don't know how many hours later uh, the bus arrived. So they fixed the bus and everybody arrived. So, you know, they were all there in the morning to continue the journey from there. So you get to the get to Herat, check into a hotel. And then in the morning, 
the bus happened to just be at that same hotel where you were, or actually that was a hotel that you would all kind of knew in advance you would meet up with? I mean, it's a coincidence that the bus was there or no? They told us which hotel, you know, where to go. Okay. Because the, the driver, the Dutch guy with the Chevy recommended it. And so they told them and they told us, you know, okay. so everybody knew the place. Yeah. And I can't remember when when he actually told us about the hashish in the in the hollow table legs either. At one point, you know, we thought, oh my gosh, you know, we could have been thrown into prison. <laughs> I, and I remember the Chevy, the car seeing it on top of Kuiper Pass a few days before. Oh, really? I remember that because I was so surprised seeing a big, you know, 70s Chevy up there. In the middle of Afghanistan. And the driver himself, he was a pretty distinctive character. You know how tall Dutch people can be. So very tall. And he had on one of those Afghan Afghan coats, the one that I said that I had bought. Right. (laughs) Yeah, but his was a big one, you know, with all the embroidery sort of flowing out. So he was long hair. He was quite distinctive character. Yeah, I wonder if he ever made it safely back to Europe. Thank goodness that you didn't get caught with that hashish because that could have been another midnight express type experience exactly very scary yeah yes looking back we were probably lucky so you're in Herat you write here that you get your Iran visas I suppose you spent the day there anything to say about Herat don't remember anything about Herat do you Rolf no no, don't remember, Jess. Have I not written anything? It's dry and dusty, and there's nothing to see except a mosque. So you leave Herat about 2 o'clock, you say, I'm so I'm assuming that's 2 p.m., and drive through to the Afghan border. And then you get there, there's a lot of fuss and bother, and then you go through miles of no man's land to the Iran border. More fuss and bother. Yeah. Do you remember the experience of going across the border then? No, it's just, you know, the needed to see the visas, everybody's visas, and they walked through the bus, you know, checked it out, and very suspicious of everything, so. Well, it sounds like they should be. Yeah, Yeah, I know. (laughs) You can't blame them, really. A bus full of British and European people riding through the deserts of Afghanistan, it is a little suspicious. bus full of hippies. Yeah, I had a book we were when we were in Nepal. I bought a book written by the Dalai Lama. I uh, can't remember what it was called or whatever, but uh, you know th- there was book source, and so I bought this book. So I was very proud of this book. So I was reading it, and I had put it up in the um, the luggage rack in the uh, bus. in the bus, and somebody actually stole that book one of the guys on the bus stole that book I was really really upset about it of course nobody owned up or anything but you know they they weren't all the nicest of people to you know to do something like that I just thought that was awful but yeah uh, sure yeah because that, that was something very special that I had I'd got in Nepal and I don't know when on the journey that it was stolen or you know when I discovered it was stolen but I I remembered that the other night when I was thinking about things. Well, it sounds like it was a ragtag bunch, really. It Really, Jessica, yeah. Some of them were, you know, were decent and some of them were not quite so decent. Yeah. I like them all. Okay, even the stunned ones at the back of the bus. 
Okay, so you're at the Iran border, you go through a bit of fuss and bother looking at all your passports, and then you drive on toward Mashhad. There was only two ways to go through Iraq, is the northern route or the middle route through the desert. The northern is going through the mountains. And that's what the driver chose. He said, that's the way he came. It, it's a mountainous road, but um, it's pretty safe. You know, we don't run out of water like in the desert or stuff like that. So Right. So it could have been more dangerous just in going terms of if you desert. broke down going through the yeah. desert rather than the mountains. Yeah. And it did break down once in a while, yeah, yeah. didn't it? Before we left them, I don't know how many times the bus broke down. I don't know that it ever made it back to England, that bus. I don't think it did. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you arrive in Mashhad at about 11 p.m. and you get comfortable rooms in a hotel. The next day is the 11th of March. You find the bus in pieces. This time it was the generator. By this time, of course, we're all getting slightly fed up. Yeah. Did you, you wandered around the town. Do you have any memory of that at all? I think it sounds like there wasn't much to see there. No, it's not a typical, almost like Herat, you know, just low buildings. Some mosques. Just a typical when you see the pictures from the Middle East, you know. Mashad, you leave around 8 p.m., you had to wander around, but as you said, there wasn't wasn't much to see there. You drive through the night, again, over miles and miles of bumpy dirt road, still through kind of no man's land country, very high mountains to cross. And then you decide to stay the night at a place called Babel Sor on the Caspian Sea. You just say that it's a really grotty place with no restaurants and one hotel and everyone's really fed up. You also make a comment that this town is like Brighton in the off season. (laughs) (laughs) That ends episode 12. In the next episode, the bus breaks down again. Mom and dad find Tehran very disappointing and the Iranian police flex their muscles. Join us next time for episode 13.